down the road to live out each of those. We first talked about community, how it is important to see that nobody goes without and that we focus on reaching people, both who reside inside and outside the walls of our church. Community is important because we are created to not live life alone. That's our second core value. We then talked about people, which is the second. Community is the first, people is the second. And how we cannot and will not discriminate who we share the gospel with. The gospel is for everybody. Forgiveness is for all people. And we offer it to all people through the ministries of our church. People are important because they need to hear they are forgiven. Community and people support each other. Our next core value that we're going to talk about this morning is grace. Where we would often think that grace is an unspoken core value for many churches. I feel that the church has lost its view that grace is the very thing that is offered to us and allows us to have redemption through Christ Jesus. When we talked about our core value of people last week, we discussed how there's not a clipboard of, of rules or certain qualities that are looked for when eternal life is extended. That is to say, there's not something we must do or something that we must act out as a, as a checkoff list for Christ to extend forgiveness and his grace to us. The same is to be said when it comes to grace versus the law. Now, I could spend the next 10 weeks preaching a series on how to live a good life by living the law the best we can. I can talk with you and discuss with you how our lives can be better, how we can be better characters of God. I can talk about how to have good marriages, good finances, how to be good people. I can teach you that. I spent most of my life being taught that. This is how you're good. And being good is not in itself bad. Please don't hear me say that. I'm not saying because of grace that we can go and do whatever we want. But what I am saying is being good and doing right things is not the first thing we must do to inherit eternal life. There's not a checklist that God uses to compare us to his wish for us to walk into the kingdom of heaven. He expects one thing. Are we covered by the grace of Jesus? And that's important to realize as we talk about grace this morning. The idea of grace being a core value is to say that we at Trinity Church will preach the gospel. No matter how hard we work and try to fulfill the law given to us, we will never achieve the ultimate goal of being seen as righteous in the eyes of God if we get everything right. We can put the Ten Commandments in, in our day timers or our phones or, or on our refrigerators or whatever you may use to go about your day. You, can, you know, if you're one of those people, I know many business people, they start their day by setting out um, what they're going to accomplish that day. And let's say that was the practice of all of us. And let's say we use the Ten Commandments to do that. These are the ten things today that I am going to do or not to do. And let's say we went through the entire day without breaking one commandment. Even then, that does not open us up to the grace of Jesus. It's not the deciding factor in eternal life. Where it's good to try to live by the ten commandments, we don't want to lie or steal or go kill people. You know, we want to love God. We don't want to... Be, uh, we want to obey our parents. We don't want to covet the things that our neighbors have. Christ asks us first to be covered by his grace. 
I often equate it, you guys have heard it before, to a treadmill. As I plan and as I run, I, one thing I will never really run on is a treadmill because even though running on that treadmill has physical, good physical things for my body, even though it's working out my muscles and it's, it's doing things, when I get off that treadmill, I'm in the exact same place that I started. I didn't go anywhere. I progressed my body, I made my body better, but at the end of the day, I stayed in the exact same place the entire time. That's exactly what the law does for us. The law will work out our spiritual bodies. It'll make us good people. It'll have good things for us. It does good things for us. Who wants to be a bad person, right? We want to be good people. We don't want to be mean. We don't want to be rude. We don't want to um, have people look at us and say, that's the person I don't like. We want to be liked. We want to be loved. We want to be good. But if we spend our entire life living by the commandments, where it's going to have good things that it does for us as people, at the end of the day, it does nothing for our eternal life. It gets us nowhere, and we see that in Romans chapter 3. A lot is to say that Christ wants us to come and be transformed by the work of the gospel. There's benefits to living a good, lawful life. Great benefits. But the ultimate benefit to eternal life is grace. At the end of the day, none of us are righteous, none of us more than the other. I'm no better than any of you, even though I'm your pastor. I have the things that I deal with. I go throughout my day getting frustrated with my kids just like you. Believe it or not, pastor's kids are not perfect angels. And believe it or not, pastors are not perfect parents. I get frustrated just like you guys get frustrated. I get mad in traffic just like you guys get mad in traffic. I think Katie just testified over there. Apparently Katie gets mad in traffic. I deal with these same struggles you guys deal with. No one is more righteous than the other. We do not have a place in society that places us above others in the department of righteousness. And what we see in the first part of chapter 3 in Romans is that all of us are under sin. That is to say, when we were all born into this life, all of us were born as sinful people. There was only one person that was not born as sinful, and we know that to be Jesus. And that's why the virgin birth is so important to our faith. I think we often discount the virgin birth. It's important because it's the only way Christ can be both man and both God and born without sin. If he's born of your normal way of being born between the love of a man and a woman, he, like us, is born into sin. That is what makes him righteous above everyone else. We have to understand that the law is not for us to have a checklist to be able to, see great, to receive grace. The law is the checklist that we need to see our need for Jesus. That was the exact intention of it when it was given to the Israelites. God did not give that law to them in the Old Testament to say, I expect you to live by this every single way because God knew they wouldn't be able to. He gave them the law so they saw that they needed him more than anything else in this world. And that's the purpose of the law in our lives. To show us that we need the gospel. Grace is a core value because of this idea that we need Jesus. And not just us, but everyone around us. Our community needs Jesus. Just like I talked last week, we love people and it's a core value because people need to hear they're forgiven. The same way people need to hear 
that they need Jesus. It's offered. Grace is a free gift. It's not a precious item that is for sale to the highest and best performer. You know, working in sales for the past few years, I've learned that the better salesman you are, the more performance-based gifts and rewards that you get and the more money you make. And that's not a bad thing. We want to be successful in life. So we want to be good salespeople, right? So if you're a salesman, much like myself and Gaden do in real estate, the more houses you sell, the more money you get, the more accolades you get in your office, the more recognition you get, the better chance you have of getting more customers, more clients. Because you're good at what you do. But see, faith is not a reward to those who are the top performers in Christian life. Faith, grace, is not based on the gold star chart we saw in Sunday school growing up. Did you bring your Bible? Did you come to Sunday school? Did you put money in the offering plate, whatever the little star chart had? Again, those are things we must do as people of God. We are expected to live a holy life. However, we're not called to first live the holy life to receive the grace of Jesus. We're first called to realize we're sinners who need Jesus. And then, through his life-changing power, do we then become good people. And that's important to understand. So, what Paul does so well in Romans 3 is present a foundation to the need for people to allow the gospel to work into their lives. Paul wants the readers to understand that the very law that condemns us can never justify us. It does not have that power. That of which causes the wound cannot be the remedy. If you were to cut yourself with a knife, cutting vegetables, you know, if you're cutting vegetables and you, you slip and you hit yourself with a knife, that knife is not going to make that wound any better. Right? You don't use the same thing that wounds you to heal you. The law is meant to expose your sin. It's meant to bring wounds. It's meant to show you you need healing, that you need something. The very thing that wounds us cannot heal us. And realizing that, we must need grace to bring healing to our souls. We cannot expect people to live the life of a justified person if all we do is present them with the very thing in which shows their need for justification. If we spend our entire life as the church beating people with the law and not showing them the remedy, we're not going to get anywhere. Could you imagine going to the doctor today if you felt ill? And the doctor said, well, I hate to tell you this, but you've got some disease. I can cure it with medicine. I can put you on a 10-day antibiotic and you'd be healed. But I think it might be better to figure out where you got the disease from and just go get more of it. We'd be pretty upset. In fact, it's a true story. I had a friend this past week who posted on Facebook, took her little girl to the doctor. The little girl was sick. We know mama instincts are mama instincts. It's one thing I've learned about being a parent. When mama thinks something's wrong, there's probably something wrong. So mama takes her little girl to the doctor and says, doctor, my little girl's sick. And I can tell you right now, I know it's strep throat. And the doctor refused to do a strep throat test. The doctor refused to do anything and said, uh, they just have some kind of virus. And even if they had strep throat, I'm not going to give them medicine to fix it. The doctor told her that. Imagine 
If somebody comes to you and says, I'm living a sinful life. I don't want to live this sinful life anymore. And we looked at them and said, okay, well, here's what you do. Here's how you become a better person. Instead of going, really, here's the remedy. His name is Jesus. And that's the grace that covers the sinfulness in, your, in the life that you're dealing with. Once we're, we're in Christ, there is a call to turn from our sin. Please don't hear me say that. I am wanting to realize that even in Romans 3, Paul says, look, once you find yourself in the grace of Christ, he calls you into a life of holiness. He calls you to be different. But he doesn't first call you to be different. And then gives you grace. He gives you grace, which then initiates the gospel into your life, which helps you be different. Often we get it backwards. God's plan is not for us to live continually wounded by the law. It's not God's intention for us to, to not have a way to be justified and made right. There is another way. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Righteousness is offered through Christ Jesus to all who believe. It should be a refreshing reminder in grace when we realize the very one who gave us the law is the same person that gave us the remedy to the law. The one that says, you must live this way, is the exact same one that says, and here's how you're going to do it. That's grace. Because grace is the conferring of righteousness upon you. So when you graduate high school or you graduate college, the dean or, or the principal or whoever's head of that school confers upon you. He places upon you this degree. He says, you have now earned this. That's exactly what grace does with righteousness. It confers upon us the righteousness of God. Not because, like in college, we created all of our credits and we graduated, but because Jesus said, I paid the price for you, and now I can confer upon you the righteousness you need to fulfill the law. But yet we want people to walk a life of being conferred with righteousness before them realizing that they can't confer righteousness upon themselves. I couldn't show up at Trident Hospital tomorrow and say, last night I gave myself a doctorate degree in, in medicine and surgery, so I'm here to be a surgeon. The same way we as Christians or people of God can't make ourselves better people and say, I have the grace of Jesus. It has to be conferred upon us through the righteousness of God. Here at Trinity Church Somerville, we are not here to play church. We're here to be the church. And by living a life of the law, we're playing church. By going and showing grace to the community and to people, we're being the church. There's a big difference. We have to provide a place where people can experience the grace and mercy of the gospel. In his book, uh, Christian Mission in the Modern World, John Stott said this, All concur that in a single word, God's good news is Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, after quoting from Joel, if we were to go read Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 and 3, we would see that Peter began his sermon proper, Men of Israel, hear these words. And then he said this, Jesus. He didn't say, men of Israel, here are the Ten Commandments, go live a good life. He said, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus. So stop, continues. He says, his first word was Jesus, and Jesus must be our first word too. Jesus Christ is the heart and soul of the gospel. 
all began at the cross. It all started with Jesus. As people come into our churches, they need to hear the gospel. As people come into our lives, and as we build relationships with the intention of sharing the gospel with them, we need to share with them Jesus. We often spend too much time starting with the to-do lists in Scripture. Paul and even Jesus himself started with the good news that Jesus Christ came to die on a cross and three days later he was rose and he rose from the dead. That's the good news. We also learn that this grace is for all people. So to tie it into last week, the core value of grace intersects with community and people because grace is offered to everyone. Not only is there a checklist, is there not a checklist in how we receive grace, there's not a checklist for people who are afforded grace or not. We see in Romans 3 that grace is for Jew and Gentile. It says in 3, verse 23, it says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have started in the exact same place. The gospel does not exclude anyone that does not exclude him or herself. The gospel does not exclude anyone that does not exclude him or herself. This is grace to all who believe. This is free grace offered through redemption that is in Jesus Christ. We are too busy trying to heal people by throwing the law at them. And when we do this, this causes us to not respect the anointed offices of Christ, which are prophet, priest, and king. And these offices is where Christ comes to do the justifying by pointing to the glory of his Father. That's how he's a prophet. He then comes by tending to the souls of sinners. That's how he is a priest. And then he comes by reigning over sin and death, declaring victory as he sits at the right hand because it is finished. And that's how he's king. He points to God. He tends to wounded sinners. And he says it's done. Prophet, priest, and king. Our job at Grace is to apply faith in it. As I was looking at the commentary that I was using, I used Matthew Henry's commentary a good bit. His, his comprehensive commentary on the Bible. And he talked in there, he, in, in it, he talked about um, a healing plaster. He says, he talked about the sacrifices Christ as provided as a healing plaster. And he says, our faith applies this, path, this plaster to a wounded soul. So I did some research about plaster in the medical world. We know plaster is used to make casts and different things like that. What I didn't know is there's this product out there, and I should have wrote the name down, um, that's a plaster that you put over small wounds and cuts. And it's like a Band-Aid, if you will, but it has a lot better tendencies of helping you heal quicker, and it's a lot stronger than a Band-Aid. It helps with water, being waterproof, it helps breathe more, and it's got some elasticity to it. But it's this plaster that's used to healing. So what Matthew Henry is saying in this commentary is our faith is plaster to a wounded soul. And church, we are surrounded in our communities with people who are wounded. Grace through faith is a way for us to provide that plaster to wounded souls. Grace is the very thing that allows us to see the gospel to heal those who need healing from the scars and pain of life. If we spent more time spreading plaster on wounded souls than applying practicality and impossible expectations of abiding by the law and how a Christian should act when a soul is wounded, we're just doing more damage. If we have a wound, we don't seek to heal it by doing more damage. 
We want to heal it by applying medicine and something to heal it. That's what plaster is in our faith. That is grace. Grace is the thing we apply to wounded, sinful souls. They need plaster. Church, we need plaster. We're not separated from this. We need faith and grace in our life. Then and only then do we hope and pray that the gospel we begin having transforming effects. And I promise you it will. If we start with grace and then begin applying the biblical principles of the law, we'll have a better community to live in. We won't have to rely on the government to fix us. And not because we're trying to fix the government, but because we're just trying to serve the people. It's important, church. We start with grace. And as we start with grace, the gospel will begin having transforming effects. I promise that as we preach grace in the gospel, as we preach Christ and Him crucified, instead of focusing on the do's and don'ts of religion, then and only then, will people be 